coming to you from Michigan, USA, and listened to by people all over the planet. Get ready to be safe and sound with Sean Sparkman. Sparkman. Never take your eyes off your opponent, even when you bow. Welcome to Safe and Sound Podcast. This is Sean Sparkman, your host. I'm really excited to be bringing you today somebody that originally came from halfway across the world. His name is Reed Goosens. He is a real estate investor, author, and also a podcast host. So, Reed, thanks for being on the show today. G'day, Sean. Thanks for having me, mate. Yeah. And so, can you just tell people a little bit about your personal story and what happened there? Yeah. Um, quickly, personal story is uh, I, I moved to this country in 2012, um, really just to uh, to chase two things. The love I, I fell in love with the, the girl uh, who's now my wife. So she's American, and I also fell in love with New York City when I backpacked through New York City back in 2009. And I always said to myself, I've got to live in that city for a period of time. And it wasn't until early 2012 um, that I said, Screw it, I'm going to quit my my uh, engineering job in Australia because that's what that's what I trained and I went to school to be a structural engineer and I said I'm going to come to the United States and give it a go and uh, I had no idea that it would lead me down this path that I'm sure we're going to talk about but you know I, my, my original plan was just to move here for a couple of years be an expat and then move back to Australia but um, you know as they say the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's a pretty cool story you know you're moving all across the world mm-hmm. for uh, a city and a girl and then you know, what next is you ended up building yourself a very interesting life and uh, you didn't have a background in real estate, right? But you ended up going into the real estate investing world. Yeah. So prior to moving to the United States, um, sort of have to rewind a little bit, uh, graduate in 07 from university, University of Queensland, and then went straight to, straight to London actually to work on the 2012 Olympic Games, uh, but in 2008, building all the infrastructure. Um, then, then moved, uh, only had a visa, uh, for about a, a year in, in England and then moved to the south of France to work on, um, if you've ever seen the, the, the show Below Deck on Bravo, I, I worked on a, a Russian billionaire's yacht as a deckhand. And during that time, and I, the reason I bring up the story is during that time I was in the south of France, that's where, south of France, I should say, that's where I met Erica, my, my now wife. And so, um, that was in 2009. And then in 2010, I find myself back in Australia after two years of, being abroad and having a great time and being in a cubicle and going, geez, I, I've got so much more to give than this than sitting in, you know, being an engineer in a cubicle. And that's where I stumbled across the book Rich Dad Poor Dad. And it was in 2009, 2010 when I made the active decision that I wanted to, you know, live or have someone pay me to live my life, right? And I had no idea what the word entrepreneurship meant or what an entrepreneur was. But the book that I picked up, Richard, I put it was really spoke to me because I, I felt like I needed to take control of my life. And that was really the whole, uh, you know, fire that, that ignited in my belly um, to, to start getting, get, going down the path of, of becoming an entrepreneur. And, and ultimately, I decided to, to go down the real estate investment path because, you know, at that time, the blinkers came off. You know, I, I was a structural engineer. I was working with developers. I was like, hang on, I, I work in a day job that is exposing me to people that I aspire to be. Why not? you know, pay a bit of attention. And so that was sort of the start of it. And then when I moved to the United States, it was, um, you know, I had to retrain my my brain in terms of how you you Americans speak and in terms of investing lingo and being in the Big Apple in New York City, it was sort of fast talking Americans and uh, I had to catch up. And But within, I think, six months of moving across the pond, uh, I I bought my first little triplex in in Syracuse, New York for like 38,000 bucks. So, um, So, yeah. 
That's pretty cool. And it's funny you said fast talking Americans because I I think at this point you speak pretty fast yourself. <laughs> well, I'll try, I'll, I'll try and slow down a little bit. I've been told that, and I'll, uh, my apologies if I'm, if I'm talking. Oh about. no, it's it's cool. Keep doing what you do. But uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned rich dad, poor dad, because my dad actually made me read that book when I was 12 years old. And so that's a, that that very book, young age. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So I've read it a few different times, and. Uh, that one and Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon mm-hmm. Hill and a series of other ones. And I've been reading books like that my whole life. And it, it was just funny because it shaped, you know, how I always wanted to end up being a business owner, just like my dad was and his dad before right. him. So right. it, it's pretty cool that that book had an impact on you, too, because it did for me. Yeah, I think it does for a lot of people. Right. But the, but the big thing is, you know, reading and, and being educated is, is super important in the beginning but the next most important thing is taking action and you know you can read until the cows come home but if you don't actually go out and take action on what you've been reading and learning about then you're still going to stay in the same position that and you won't ever change you know your life or your trajectory where you want to head in in life and 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 obviously ultimately be a business owner or you know have a life of of being financially free and not having to worry about a w-2 job so, yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I love it. And one one uh, analogy that I thought was really cool that somebody told me is that uh, life is kind of like you're sharpening an axe, like a lumberjack, mm-hmm. and you're sharpening it and you're sharpening it. And obviously you have to have a good sharp axe in order to fell a tree. You don't want a dull mm-hmm. one. But at the same time, if you don't have the execution, you don't ever take action and swing that axe, then nothing right. ever happens. So, Correct. That's exactly right. I love, I love it. it. love that analogy. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, businesses and recessions because we're going through something that's completely unprecedented. We've never had the entire economy shut down for a pandemic or, you know, maybe mm-hmm. you could say 100 years ago we did, but nobody living has had that happen. So how do you build successful business ecosystems that can recession-proof businesses so they can live through times like these? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the the big thing is, you know, what is what's the fundamental of my business? And the fundamental of my business is that I'm invested in hard assets, right? I'm not invested in the stock market and paper assets. And and I fundamentally believe that being invested in hard assets will will help you be recession proof. Uh, now, the type of assets I'm invested in is multifamily, uh, and we've seen, you know, very much so that that multifamily commercial real estate um, has been the sort of the the pick of the crop in terms of commercial industry in terms of commercial assets uh look at retail look at office space look at uh hospitality like they're all taking a massive hit right now and, and the way in which we work or the way in which we socialize the way in which we uh get entertainment is definitely changing with this pandemic and so for us we we're in the business of providing housing and you know the human needs uh is you want you need food and you need shelter uh, and I think multifamily has definitely, you know, definitely excelled compared to other commercial asset classes, in my opinion, throughout this pandemic. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we're not through the woods yet because I know a lot of states are going through a second wave. Um, and, and so with that it means that you're going to have a lot more people wanting to try and get involved in, you know, invest in this asset class um, to 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 be because it is showing itself to be, quote unquote, recession proof. Um you know, uh, compared to other investment opportunities out there. So that is, you know, for, for one, that, that you got to, what, what are you investing in? That's what you've got to determine. And the second thing is making sure you're having an ecosystem of businesses around it that can support, you know, the continuing to do business. And what I mean by ecosystems, I mean, well, we buy multifamily, but 
you know, you think of a table, right? A table is only stable, excuse the pun, uh, with three or more legs. One of those legs is acquisitions, right? We buy assets and we make money that way. The other, you have to have other legs to support the table, otherwise it will fall over. And so for our business, it's, you know, how do we else make fees or income or reduce costs in order to support the, the fundamental business, which is acquiring real estate? And that can be through property management. It can be through asset management. It can be through construction management. It can be through, um, you know, podcasting and, and, and education and bringing people into the into the sphere and investors into our world in order to for them to learn about what we do. And each each different leg feeds off one another. And without one, you can't have the other. So that's in my mind is truly the the the, the wealth building creation that you can take. And and for long term wealth is is through. Um, is through you know making sure that you have those ecosystems of businesses uh, supporting one another. So yeah, that's awesome. And why do you think that multifamily is quote unquote recession proof? Well, back to what I was saying before. Like we're seeing today that people need a shelter, right? And if you don't have shelter, where's the next place you're going to be homeless? So when people need shelter, that it, and you and we're in the business of providing shelter. Um, to medium and low cost housing tenants, then we're always going to have a demand for our product. And when there's a demand for the product, even in bad times, you're still going to come out okay um, in terms of being quote unquote recession proof. So, so, you know, we talk about widgets and, you know, different things that people sell online and our widget is providing, um, you know, shelter for, 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 for the masses. Um, and so in that we, we're a wanted, commodity and that's really important for understanding how to recession proof you know to an investment because we're wanted in times of need um, or in times of, of, of down of economic downturn yeah that makes a lot of sense and let, let's say somebody wanted to get into multifamily investing what would you recommend well it depends on what you want to do right multifamily investing is you can be an active investor or you can be a passive investor you really need to determine what side of the coin you want to be on uh, it's really important to delineate what you're good at. And some people like myself, like I always knew when I started buying real estate that I wanted to be an operator. I didn't want to invest in other people's deals. Um, and, and for me, an active investment is is because I had a skill set in that. I was a structural engineer. I built a lot of things. I just I understood the, the, the value of creating uh, and building real estate. Other people might really enjoy their job and they don't want to be an active investor. They don't want to have to deal with uh, managing properties and managing property managers and managing GCs. And so maybe they want to be a passive investor and, and really understanding what you're good at and what your um, skill set is, is, is and what you like to do will help you define where you want to go. Now, if you're on the active side, getting involved in multifamily real estate, you know, you got to just get started. You got to choose a market. You got to choose a market where you're invested in or a market where you want to invest in. And you got to choose a market where you can, you know, that's going to have um, good growth over the next 10 to 20 years. Um, and there's a lot goes into that, and we can talk about that in, in more depth if we want. On the other side of the coin, if you're a passive investor, you know you want to get involved with an operator who is um, is actively doing deals. You need to vet a lot of different sponsors in order to make sure you're investing with the right person who 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 aligns with your interests, who aligns with your investment thesis, uh, who, who may be in a in a in a city or an MSA that you may not be able to get access to. Um, so really, defining again. What path you want to go down, and, and then which, which in, within that path, how you're going to go be successful is really really important on the front end to to define that in order to go off and take action, like we spoke about with you know sharpening the axe and starting swinging and uh, cutting down some trees. 
Yeah, that's really cool. And thank you for sharing those insights. I know that there's going to be a lot of people that take a lot out of that, but I want to switch gears just a little bit. I do have some business owners that listen to this show and they're always Mm -hmm. looking for insights and things that they can do to improve themselves and their businesses. And you have a cracking personal brand, as you like (laughs) to say. So can you talk a little bit about developing a personal brand and, you know, what it is that you do? Yeah. So look, I'm, I'm an engineer, right? That's what that was my trade. I, I, I have a very much a black and white brain uh, in terms of I'm very analytical. Um, I had to go out and create a brand for myself. And in the beginning, I had no idea what that meant. Uh, but what it means is really uh, when I first started was I, I started to talk about my story and my coming to America story and, and, and realizing, you know, the, you know, awesome investment opportunities that are available here. And, and then, Telling it to the world and using different platforms like podcasting or like blogging or like um, YouTube to get my message out to the masses. And I started a podcast about five and a half years ago, and probably my grandma and my mum were the only two people listening to it at the beginning. But over time, <laughs> right. with consistency, you know, and you know, married or you know, you know, marriage with my story of coming to America, something interesting that people thought, hey, that's he's doing something interesting. I want to listen to what he has to say. And, and doing it over a long period of time, you start to build up an audience. And through that audience, you're allowed, you, you can then direct the audience into what I do on a daily basis, which is invest in multifamily real estate. And that in, in, entitles me to get more investors into my uh, database and thus more investors into my deal. So really, it starts from understanding what your value is. And my value in the beginning was that I was coming to America. I was experiencing all this incredible investment opportunity, again, from where I was from, I didn't, we didn't have cash flowing assets like they do here in the United States. We didn't have, you know, Freddie and Fannie, uh, um, you know, government backed loans at, at very low interest rates. Uh, we don't even have multi, large multifamily in Australia. So having all these incredible opportunities coupled with the fact that part of my superpower, I, I believe, is that I do have that international perspective. Um, and I was just sharing my story about how, what I was learning along the way. People found that valuable and through that value, People wanted to listen and wanted to find out more. They wanted to get on a call with me. They wanted to see what I was doing, what investments I'm looking at. Um, and all that helps generate leads and those leads over time you know, turn into investors uh, because that's what, my, that's what my business is. So building a brand, regardless of what business you're in, uh, you need to start with, with a story of, of why you do what you do. And it can be, you know, your story has to be unique to yourself. Um, you've got to be vulnerable and you've got to produce content so people can learn about what you do. And that's the whole reason why people have personal brands is because at the end of the day, regardless of the business, people invest in the person first and foremost, and they sort of invest in the deal secondary. Uh, and definitely in my business, it's, um, you know, they want to hear about my story first and they want to get to know and trust me. And then they'll look at the deal and say, okay, well, I like reading. I like what he has to say. I like his investment thesis. And I'm going to, I trust him because I've listened to all his podcasts and I read a couple of his books. And, and, and through that, you, you're building a trust over a very short period of time in order for someone to to invest alongside you. So, so yeah. Yeah, I love it. And I, you know, I had a question for you because you said something interesting. You said your superpower is your international perspectives. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Well, it means that, you know, when I come comparing, you know, I've spoken a lot about this, that when you're, have you heard of the analogy like the, the frog boiling in, in the water? Um, oh, yeah, you know, like, I love uh, that analogy. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you don't realize the water's boiling if you've been sitting in the water since it was cold, right? But if you throw a frog into the boiling water when it's already boiling, it's going to jump out of it. 
And the same goes with, with my international perspective. An average, the average American may not realize what's in their backyard because they've been living and growing up here and not seeing the opportunities. Unlike when I come, when I came to the United States, I was like, wow, you've got all this stuff, like compared to where I'm from, that this is incredible. And so realizing what that opportunity is, seeing, taking the blinkers off and, and not being, um, blinded, um, or, or sort of tunnel vision, um, and realizing what opportunities there are right in front of you. Uh, and then it's about just going out and taking action. So, you know, superpower is, is, what's a word? It's, it's more to do with just, uh, I, I could, I could see opportunities that maybe other folks didn't or necessarily haven't been able to see because they grew up here. I didn't grow up here. So again, it gave me a little bit of an edge, uh, when I was going out hunting for deals. That's really cool. And I really like your personal story. That international perspective is a, a very powerful thing. I liked what you said about, you know, people that are, when you're in one place, sometimes you just miss the things that are right in your backyard because you're so used to seeing them on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I traveled the world a little bit and I noticed every time that I came back home, I noticed things that I had never noticed before. <laughs> <laughs> well, it gives you, it, it, that's the beauty of travel, right? It gives you a perspective, a, a gratitude maybe of, of what you have at, at home. I know when, um, like, I, I, I like traveling to poorer countries, not saying it's, you know, I'm not trying to get into any political, but like a third world country of some sort and just realizing, you know, seeing people who have, literally nothing still be happy you know with the with very little uh and then coming home and realizing wow i've got i've got nothing to complain about like i've got you know that old syndrome of the first world first world problem you know what i mean um yeah. so you know it, it, that's the power of traveling it gets you in that mindset of like hang on my life isn't bloody bad compared to someone else who's you know living in a third world country and, and can't doesn't have running water you know what i mean so um that's that's what travel in my mind does for me and 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 thus when i came to this country it wasn't the running water that was the issue, but it was more, you know, seeing opportunities uh, right under someone's nose that, that I could um, you know, jump on. I love that perspective because it's kind of like a, there's a comedian that I listen to and he has a, a small bit where I'm not going to do the whole thing, but he just he talks about first world problems where he says, you know, we've got these right. cell phones that uh, send information up into space and then back down and we get so <laughs> mad at them when they take just a little bit longer than what, what we're used to. And right. it's like, man, look at what you have though. Yeah. So yeah. I, I love I, that I know, I, idea. I know, I know the comedian you're talking about. I, 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 I don't need to mention names, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a very funny, it's a very funny skit about like how impatient we get uh, in life. And it's important as business owners, and in this world, you, you bring up a, I'm going to go off a bit of a, a rant here, but, you know, we all want gratitude or we all want to achieve something yesterday, right? We always see these, the Facebook worlds and the social media worlds of everyone, you know, achieving stuff and we want to have it tomorrow, you know, and, but not understanding that building something of worth takes time. And, and that's what a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners go out and, and they try to start down this road and they give up really quickly because they don't, they didn't understand on the front end that, Success comes after years, maybe even decades of trying. Um, and it's that resilience that you need to have and the right mindset going into something that creating something from nothing will take time. It doesn't happen in overnight, like, like it sort of is perceived to be online. <laughs> <laughs> right. Do you ever uh, listen to anything that Gary Vaynerchuk does? Oh, mate, I, I didn't even know if your, your audience, but I was, you know, when you ask about personal branding, I, I love Gary V and, and he talks a lot about, you know, building content, start to build content. And, and I saw a, you know, a post 
you know, that the overnight success it's taken 20 years uh, in the making. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that's uh, what I was getting at. You know, <laughs> uh, every, you know, everything that's worth it is is difficult, and that's really what it right. comes down to. At, at the end of the day, and I, I absolutely love it. And I kind of like listen. My life is kind of like you're building a house, right? It's a brick house, mm-hmm. or in your case, a brick multifamily building, and you got to build it one brick at a time. It's yep. a, I'm a martial artist, have been for over a decade. And one of my mm-hmm. things that I latched onto when I first started was one of my teachers said, you have to live life in 1%. And I was like, what mm-hmm. the heck does that mean? He goes, well, it's 1%. So if you can grow 1% every day, you get a little better at your punch, you get a little better at reading, you get a little better at whatever it is, you know, or your relationship with your wife. And right. you can do that 365 days from now, you're going to be 365% better. And then the law mm-hmm. of compound interest kicks in, which Einstein yep. said is the, you know, the eighth wonder of the world. And all of a sudden you're way better than you ever thought you would be. And it, all it took yeah. was that little bit each day. And, and you're so, you're so, and I love that 1% rule. I've never heard it like that, but that's, that's a great uh, analogy. But also just taking those little steps and you think those little steps aren't propelling you forward. Um, and it goes back to that perspective thing and understanding it isn't the mountaintops that you scale to. It isn't the goal that you reach. It's actually enjoying the journey along the way. And I think that's the most important thing about growth and self-growth and building businesses and building something from nothing. And it doesn't have to just be with business, as you mentioned, relationships or um, personal health, that it will, it's the incremental progress that you make every day over an extended period of time that will make you enjoy the journey and then when you do get to look backwards and say wow look how far i've come you can really appreciate it because you you have been making sustained progress over a long period of time and i think that's what people sometimes fail to forget and and it goes back to the the instant gratification that we we live in these days and 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 not understanding that that takes a long time to build Um, but but to your one percent rule doing something every day that's going to help you get that one percent better so 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 in a year's time you're 365 percent better which is which is absolutely incredible uh, and the best part of it is that I think it gives people a sense of peace and joy when you've built something over a long period of time, whether it's your health or a business or, you know, it's your portfolio for retirement, whatever it may be. And just mm-hmm. knowing like, hey, look at all those little things I did and where I'm at now. And it just gives people that sense of accomplishment that you don't get from that instant gratification. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Another thing I'll add to that, and I, you know, it's a, we can we can move on to another topic if we want in, in a little bit. But I always get people approaching me in like this sort of this kicking themselves that they didn't get involved in real estate twenty years ago, or they didn't get involved in whatever it might be soon enough, you know. And and the old Chinese proverb of you know the the, the best time to plant a tree is twenty years ago. The next best time is right now. And and I think so many people kick themselves, particularly older generations oh i you know i'm I'm in my 50s and i wish i you know started investing in real estate 20 years ago well own your journey to this point and don't keep kicking yourself because the next you've still got you know another 50 years potentially of your life to go out and live don't keep kicking yourself of of the journey that you've come down to this point and so letting go of that and giving yourself permission to say this is my journey and this is where it's taken me today regardless if it's I should have done it 10, 15, 20 years ago or not, you're starting today and that's the most important part because that will then change your course back to your 1% uh, analogy over the next you know, 10, 20, 30 years of your life and then you're going to have an incredible journey along the way. I love it. And you know, for people that are listening that are getting close to those retirement years and you're experiencing those kinds of things, it, there are places in 
your financial plan where it could be a good idea to do the real estate. There are hard right. assets that make sense because they can generate income like what you're talking about, right, Reed? Correct. No, that's that's exactly right. And 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 for a diversified portfolio for someone who is approaching retirement, I encourage everyone to be diversified. I just happen to be in the business of real estate. And it's one element of any pie, um, particularly if you're a passive investor or someone who's approaching retirement age. I think it's really important to have good diversification across many assets, real estate being one of them. Um, and, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of benefits to, to that and um, cash flow, tax appreciation, depreciation, um, uh, you know, and, and all the other benefits that come along with it. So, so yeah. Great. Well, Reed, I want to wrap things up, but before we do, I just have a couple more questions for you. They're just ones that I always like to ask people. So what are you curious about? Oh, man, on what I'm today, you mean? Yeah, whatever you interpret the question. Sure. Today. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I guess what am I curious about? This is a little bit of a long winded answer, but I, I, I say it into back to the context of of like what I have been trying to achieve a long period of time and that is for a long period of time i tried to my north star was uh to achieve financial freedom and and i've got to that point today and i'm early 30s and 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 now i need a new north star and it's about building businesses and teams and a portfolio and and having a great relationship with my wife and so what i'm curious about today is be, having that sense of fulfillment in today's world that i've you know achieved in the last 10 years and i've i know that the last 10 years have been freaking incredible and so what I've come to realize is that I don't need those targets and goals out there to say, I need to be, by the time I'm 45, I need to be here. Sort of letting go of the future and just opening doors in front of you today and walking through those doors. So what I'm curious about is just seeing how many doors I can open up in front of me right now and the future will figure itself out there from, from there because the last 10 years have been pretty incredible. I know the next 10 years will be even better. So, so yeah, that's what I'm curious about. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And last question, is there anything I should have asked you that I didn't? Uh, no. Um, I, the, the one question I get a lot on, on these shows is the favorite quote. And, and I guess my, my favorite quote is from my old man, my dad. And he always used to say, a fool and their money are easily parted. So don't be that fool. And, and, and for me, I take that as be educated, surround yourself with people that you aspire to be, to then go off and you know use that axe, as you mentioned earlier, to, to chop down trees and start creating financial freedom for yourself. I love it. And if people want to find out more about you and who you are, where do they go? Yeah, you can head over to my website. That's uh, reedgoosens.com. That's R-E-E-D-G-O-O-S-S-E-N-S. -S -S -E and um, if anyone is coming through Los Angeles in the future, um, they want to reach out and you know, talk about real estate, talk about shop, go for a beer or coffee, just uh, shoot me, uh, hit me up at, uh, at uh, info at reedgoosens.com and just give me a, a month or so advance notice so I can uh, put you on the calendar. Awesome. And of course, we'll have links in the show notes for anybody that's looking to get in touch with Reed. Reed, thank you again for coming on the show today. Hey, man, you do an awesome job. Keep up the great work and I uh, appreciate the invite. Thank you. And for those listening, this has been another episode of the Safe and Sound podcast with your host, Sean Sparkman. Thank you for listening today as we help navigate you towards a safe and sound life. And we'll catch you next week. Coming to you from Michigan, USA, and listened to by people all over the planet. Get ready to be safe and sound with Sean Sparkman. Sparkman. Never take your eyes off your opponent, even when you bomb.
Welcome to the Safe and Sound Podcast. This is your host, Sean Sparkman. I am really excited to be bringing to you today somebody that I've been on the edge of my seat about. Her name is Teresa Kuhn. Teresa, thank you very much for coming on the show. Sean, my pleasure. It's a pleasure to be here and talk about one of my favorite topics, which is money. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. And I, I know you're a respected financial educator, best-selling author, and you really focus on one strategy that a lot of people don't know very much about, and that's bank on yourself. So can you talk a little bit about what you do? Yes. So I focus on one strategy, and there's a reason why, and I'll get into that in a, in a few minutes. It's called Bank on Yourself. It's also known as Infinite Banking Concept. There are tons of different titles, offsprings, children, grandchildren that have stemmed from really the infinite banking concept. Bank on Yourself is the first one to really bring it to the marketplace from a marketing perspective to the genius of Pamela Yellen, who really what she did was remarkable in terms of the broad education and information that was sent out to the, the marketplace. Because really, before Nelson Nash, who was a very close friend of mine, dear friend of mine and mentor, you know, it seemed complicated the way he explained it. It appealed to very intellectual people. And Pamela was able to just bring it to the masses and dumb it down, so to speak, even though it's not a dumb concept at all. It's, it's a genius concept. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I've read both Nelson Nash's book and Pamela Yellen's book. And I did notice the big difference between the two is the Nelson Nash one was very intellectual based, very, very detail oriented. And then Pam it just broke it down where it's very simple and easy to understand what you can actually do with it. Simple and yet so rich, so absolutely rich and deep. And I loved how Nelson looked at it from an infinite possibility perspective. It's a strategy that you could do so much with. And uh, so really having the best of both worlds, working with Nelson and working with Pamela, now 16 years with Pamela, just I, I was very blessed at an, an early point in my career to be able to, to share it. And I think early, and it really wasn't. I'd been working with money and finance for probably, I don't know, over 15 years at that point. I've been working in money for over 30 years. So mm -hmm. at the, the midpoint of my career shifted to dedicating myself so working with this concept because there's so many advisors and there's so much information out there that covers risk and investing, but not as many people focus on a savings solution. And so I decided that was going to be my area of expertise, my niche, where I was going to go really, really, really deep with it. And that's, you know, the, the midpoint of my career. That's what I've been working with for the last almost 16 years. And what led you to discovering Bank on Yourself or Infinite Banking and meeting Nelson Nash and Pamela Yellen? Well, I am an attorney. I do not practice law, thankfully. But when you go to law school and you practice law for a period of time, you're trained to think in a way that says, all right, here's a strategy. Here's a product in the financial marketplace. What could possibly go wrong? You know, attorneys are trained to think in all different angles and be, when they're consulting with clients, be risk averse. And attorneys don't tend to be great entrepreneurs because they're trained to see what could possibly go wrong. So when I was working with clients before I started working with Bank on Yourself, 
I was looking at what my clients' experiences were with the financial products and, and strategies that they were working with and realized that they were having the financial experience that they wanted. They, Even though they had done everything right by textbook, right, um, they had dotted their I's, crossed their T's, they, you know, did everything that traditional financial planning said you should do, they still didn't have all the options that they felt they should have had. You know, they were paying a ton of money in taxes. A lot of their money was tied up in qualified plans. They had exposure in terms of medical expenses and risk. And they felt that, in my words today, I didn't know how to articulate this back then, but what I, looking back, can say is their planning was about to get them where they were to retirement than dead. It wasn't about getting them to have options with their money for every age, every stage of their life. You know, Sean, most people have many, many expenses and many life occurrences before they retire. There's buying homes and buying cars and raising kids and paying for private school or paying for college, weddings, taking care of parents. There's so many things that can happen, right, life events, and not to mention disability and death, right, and people losing jobs or the market correcting or black swan events like ones that, you know, people lived through with COVID-19. And the traditional way of looking at finances only focuses on, really, getting you from where you are today to retirement and then death. It doesn't give options for all of these different life events. And so what I found with the bank on yourself, infinite banking concept, and now what we've branded as a 100-year savings solution, what we have found is the quality of somebody's life is in direct proportion to the quality of options that they have. And these savings solutions are tested through time. You have guarantees and you open up options that people otherwise would not have with traditional financial planning. So I made the conscious choice and said, this is where I put my stake in the ground. This is where I'm going to serve my clients. And it is going against the grain, and there is going to be a cost and a consequence for going against the grain. But I refused to give in to just the traditional way of looking at finances. And that was the, the stake in the ground, and that's where I built my practice. And I can tell you, after doing this for a very long time and, and working with my clients and training other advisors and the organization and the advisors that I've worked with, we have impacted the lives of so many people who really trusted us. At the end of the day, it was about trust because sometimes when you're going against the grain, you're thinking, oh, my gosh, like, what, what do other people know that I don't know? Like, why am I doing this? And why are so many other people saying, not, you know, this isn't the way to go, go the traditional way? But, boy, are they glad they did. And I, I like that you put out that it's about options because that's a really powerful thing that a lot of people aren't thinking about when they're going into any type of financial planning is, what happens if I go this route? What are the you know options that I actually have? And the reason I think that that's important is they did a thing with artificial intelligence not that long ago where 
there's this Chinese game that has been around forever, and it's supposed to be even harder than chess. It's supposed to be one of the toughest games ever, and it's playing mainly on intuition. And so when they were training this artificial intelligence, they said there's no way the artificial intelligence will ever be able to beat a master of this game. It's not going to happen. And eventually, that artificial intelligence did end up beating the absolute master of the game. They thought it was insane because they were like, well, this can't happen. It's, it's an intuition-based game. It's not logically based. So they asked the artificial intelligence, how did you win? And the artificial intelligence response was, well, every move that I made was to open up more possibilities. I thought that was very interesting because it's like, oh, so it's not about, you know, what is this thing that I'm feeling here or going there? It's just about which move is going to give me more and more options. And the more and more options there are, the better off I'm going to be. So I, I think it's pretty cool that that's the mindset you're coming from when you're talking about infinite banking. I, I'd love to see a link to that study. That's fascinating. And it absolutely is exactly where I was going, right, when, when I put my stake to the ground and decided to work with this. And I don't know if you've noticed this, Sean, how many people have decided to work with this concept who, you know, last year were working with risk and predictability and, you know, the traditional Wall Street products. And then today they're like, oh, this makes sense. Let me work with this today, right? Because people today are really, really scared. People today are looking for direction and strategy because they're saying, you know, what do we have in terms of the black swan event? It's not just the market going down, the Wall Street market going down. It's real estate being affected, commercial real estate being affected. You've got oil and gas prices being affected. You've got record unemployment. You've got so many different factors. Who would have thought that the United States of America would have been quarantined and able to go out due to a virus? I mean, we are living in crazy, crazy times. Yeah, nobody saw this and coming. Nobody saw this coming. We know the markets go up and down, certainly. But everything all at once, pretty crazy. Well, it's never happened in history where they literally shut down the economy. Not like this. No. Not that we're, certainly not in the United States, right? Right. Who knows what happened, you know, hundreds or thousands of years ago, but certainly nothing like this. I mean, this is absolutely and completely unprecedented. But our clients that have implemented these strategies, they become better investors because they know they've got their backup plan. They don't need to make decisions based on fear because they've got a backup plan. They've got options. When you've got very few options on the table, you've got to come up with your plan B. When you've got your plan B in place before you need it, you're in a better position than most people. And so how does the bank on yourself infinite banking concept give people options? Well, Number one, you are your money's not at risk from a market perspective. The insurance company guarantees a certain level of performance. So looking out into the future, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now, you know exactly at a minimum how much money you're going to have in your policy. On top of that, you do get paid dividends, and dividends are not guaranteed, but they've been paid every single year for the past 100-plus years with our companies never missing a year on paying those dividends. So you've got projections as to how much money you're going to have in the future based on a dividend scale. 
you've got access to your money, 93% of your value at any time for whatever reason. It's nobody's business why you need the money. And that's private, by the way. When you tap into your money, it's a completely private transaction. Nobody knows. If you borrow money from your policy, you get the benefit of uninterrupted compounding, which Einstein said compounding was the eighth wonder of the world. Well, if that's such a great wonder, right? If it's such a great thing, why do we have all these financial products that when you tap into your money, the compounding stops for you? That doesn't make a lot of sense. And here we've got a solution that actually gives you uninterrupted compounding. You've got tax efficiency. You've got life insurance if you die early or prematurely. You've got access to part of that life insurance while you're living if you've got a major medical issue or you need long-term care benefits. In most states, you have asset protection and creditor protection, so in case you get sued, right, can't take away the value in your policy. If you have to file for bankruptcy in most states, that money is protected. It does not get counted into money that a creditor can access. And, Sean, I can go on and on. Right there. <laughs> well, I believe it. Yeah, no, it's it's a pretty incredible strategy. So the question is, for the people that are listening, is who is right for a bank-on-yourself strategy? Well, the question actually is, Sean, if I if I may, who is not right for the strategy? There you go. Really, I I believe every individual, every family member, every business owner needs to have one of these policies. And the reason is because of all these options that it gives you. Today, do I work with everybody who knocks on my door? No. Number one, they have to be open to learning and going against the grain of what traditional financial planning says you need to do. This isn't a plan that you have to make a decision, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. I have many clients that continue to invest, but it's the the prospect wants to not do any learning on their own. If they don't want to dig a little bit deeper, if they don't want to consider going against the grain, then they're not, you know, somebody that we really want to engage with. And, Sean, it's really interesting. I will not work with someone unless they're willing to read the first four chapters of Pamela Yellen's Bank on Yourself book. If they're not willing to invest a few minutes to read those first four chapters, and I give them the book, like they don't even have to spend the $15 on the book. My office mails it to them. All they have to do is read those first four chapters. If it resonates, great. If it doesn't resonate, great. Either way, no problem. And if it resonates, they're going to ask better questions than if they hadn't read those first four chapters. They have to be educated in order to really effectively put this plan into place, right? Well, so from the education perspective, it's not that they need to be educated, but for someone to call up and say, all right, Teresa, explain this to me. And I'll say, well, have you read anything? No, no, just explain it to me. Sean, that the, the amount of brain damage and the amount of hours it would take to explain this to someone <laughs> is just not worth our time, in my opinion, if they're not willing 
to invest a few minutes just to read. And it's very, very simple. We're just using a specific design of a whole life policy as a savings strategy. You're, you're putting money into this policy, and then it does so much for you. But again, if somebody's not willing to invest those little bit of time to read four chapters, then why should we invest the time energy to educate, right? It's a two-way street. So really, that's my only criteria. Hey, that makes sense to me. Got to have a, a little skin in the game, and you have to have a, at least the basics to be able to move forward. So how did you end up meeting Nelson Nash? Oh, well, so when I went out to the marketplace looking for solutions and strategies, to fill in the gap of what my clients weren't getting with their traditional financial solutions, I met Nelson and I met Pamela, and it absolutely changed my life. I'd been looking at a lot of different strategies that I could bring to the marketplace, and I had a filter. I had, I knew what I was looking for. I didn't know what it was called, right? I didn't know exactly what it was going to do for my clients, but I knew that it had to have guarantees. I knew that from a risk perspective, putting on my attorney glasses, I needed to be able to say to a client, this strategy is going to do exactly one, two, three for you, and it had to deliver on that. It had to have, from a risk perspective, no market risk, right? So it had to do certain things. And what I found with the infinite banking concept, bank on yourself concept, it was that it was completely aligned with my values and how I look at the world. And if you talk to an advisor, if you're shopping for an advisor and you ask them, hey, what's your philosophy? What are your values? Like, how did you get here? And they can't articulate that. I would move on and look for an advisor that can articulate how they got to where they're at, why they're offering the products and the services that they are. Because if they didn't have a set of values from which to filter the products and strategies and solutions that they're offering, then you know that they got there by default. And they didn't put a lot of thinking into their practice and their business and how they make a living. And if I was somebody shopping for a financial advisor, that's the very least that I would expect from my advisor. Because if they hadn't put a lot of thought and energy into their values and philosophy, how much thought are they going to put into my plan and my future? Yeah, that makes sense to me, 100%. The alignment of values is always an incredibly important thing. And if you listen to some of the past podcasts I talk about, one of my most important things is relationships, because I believe that relationships are the key to success. You take the money, you take careers, everything out of it, they're all important. But without Good, solid relationships, which comes from connecting with other people, what do we really have? You have an acquaintance. You and have so just somebody I, that you met. Yeah. And you know what? And I love that that value part because when you have people that care about values and they know their own values, it allows them to connect with you in a way that somebody else wouldn't. Instead of it just being the acquaintance or it's just my, you know, the guy that I go to to get my hair cut and I'm in and out and it's very impersonal. So I love that you approach it from that point of view. So I have a couple more questions for you. One of the sure. things that people will bring up when it comes to anything that's insurance based is the fact that there's no, let's say, federal protections it's based on the claims paying ability of the insurance company. So what would you say about that? 
So you were talking about how there's no market risk, but you are putting your money into an insurance company in this case. And so that's backed up by the claims paying ability of the insurance company, correct? That is correct. And at the end of the day, it is very important which companies you work with, right? And we work with the highest rated companies out there that have been around for over 100 years, and they've delivered every single year through every economic cycle, boom and bust, recession, depression, world war, Vietnam war, like everything, right? 2001, 2008, 2020, like they've not only survived, but thrived. So it's super, super important which insurance company you work with. Teresa, Before we move on and start wrapping this up, is there any questions that I should have asked you that I didn't? Sean, this is a great interview, and I think you asked me some, you know, some of the most important questions to ask, right? And so I would say to your audience, if you haven't looked into this concept, why not? Isn't it time that you did, that you did research, that you asked Sean some questions about how these policies can benefit you? I have not met anyone who is open-minded and who looks into this concept who cannot benefit from the concept, Sean. I have not met one person, regardless of age, regardless of education, regardless of profession, regardless of net worth. It really can serve everyone. Teresa, thank you very much for being on the show today. It's been absolutely wonderful speaking with you. And if people want to learn more about who you you are and what it is that you're doing, where can they go? LivingWealthyFinancial.com. And we also have a podcast, Living Wealthy Radio. And our new brand is 100 Years Saving Solution. And that's spelled 100YearSavings.com. We'll have links in the show notes so that if you want to learn more about Teresa, just go there and you'll be able to click right on them. And Teresa, once again, thank you very much for being on the show today. It's been absolutely wonderful. It is an honor to be here with you, Sean. Thank you so much for having me on your show. And thank you for listening to the Safe and Sound podcast. This is your host, Sean Sparkman, always bringing you new people from around the country to get you different perspectives on how to build a safe and sound lifestyle. Catch you next week. Thanks for listening to Safe and Sound Radio with Sean Sparkman. Sean Sparkman. If you have questions or would like to suggest a topic for future shows, contact Sean at 313-246-9278 or visit the website at www.safeandsoundretirement.net. That's www.safeandsoundretirement.net. I must leave. The content you hear on the Safe and Sound podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Nothing in this broadcast or on our website constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer by Safe and Sound Retirement, Sean Sparkman, or any third party. Opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Safe and Sound Retirement. Before taking any actions based on the information you have heard on this podcast or read on our website, you are strongly urged to seek the advice of a qualified professional.